Coming to you live from John Adams High, it's the Movie Change-Up Podcast Disney Plus Weekly Review. As always, I'm your host, Jill Fricky, joined by my uh, normal co-host, uh, Tristan Mayer, and uh, every week we kind of break down all the new releases on Disney Plus and tell you what you should watch, what you shouldn't watch, and kind of, you know, maybe find some things that have been on there a while to recommend uh, this week because of last week being Disney Plus Day. It's been a really slow week for Disney Plus. It'll probably be a shorter episode. And so this was more of a let's find some stuff that's been on Disney Plus a while because I don't think we really got any major new drops. So, uh, Tristan, uh, kind of how was your week with Disney Plus? Yeah, it was a lighter week. Like you said, after Disney Plus Day, they were kind of like, okay, we uh, flew it all already, so uh, give you a week off here because <laughs> yep. we have a Hawkeye starting next week, so we're going to have a busy week then. But yeah, one week off, not too bad, and it gave me a chance, like I said, to fill in some stuff that I hadn't watched uh, yet, and we'll talk about the Dookie Call Me Aloha season and that kind of as a whole. It'll be fun to be able to talk about that as like a whole entire product, and we'll be dedicating some of the show to that, and it's going to be a fun one, so even though we don't have a lot to talk about, I'm sure we'll have a lot to, to discuss here. <laughs> yeah, next week we'll be talking Hawkeye, and then... Uh... The uh, ramp up for the promotion of Book of Boba Fett will be kicking off, kind of, so we'll be able to talk about that as more news and uh, information comes out. We'll probably get some more trailers to talk about, so yeah, it'll start to pick up a little bit, Uh, but yeah, let's start off with Doogie Kame Aloha MD. Uh, We haven't reviewed the final two episodes yet, but I think this is more going to be a season as a whole review. Uh, how did you, Tristan, how do you feel about the last two episodes? Uh, uh, Before we start, basically, kind of, the last two episodes were... Uh, Doogie kind of has fallen in love with her boyfriend, Walter, who we are both big fans of. And uh, Walter got accepted to go on this surfing tour in Australia, and she wants to go. And, you know, basically she's deciding of what what she wants to do with her life. Does she want to keep being a doctor? Does she want to follow her boyfriend around as he's, you know, touring, touring surfing? And then we had some subplots with the parents. But how do you feel about this season? And how do you feel about these final two episodes? Yeah, I'll focus right now on the first, uh, final two episodes and say that I was pretty satisfied with them. I know before this, we were starting to question a little bit of like, is this show going to wrap up well and how are we going to feel about it overall? Are we going to want to watch season two? And I think these last two episodes kind of brought it all together a little bit for me. And uh, a lot, some of the side characters didn't quite get the shines I wish I thought that they would overall throughout the season. But I think this last couple episodes kind of brought all of the plots together and ahead to an interesting way. And I was really invested in by by that cliffhanger in the in that episode where we find out oh Doogie's going to apply for this new job and she's going to go on this surf trip to Australia. I wasn't I had no idea what direction they'd go. I thought that could be a direction of season two. Are we going to change the entire location? You know, we had season one in Hawaii, season two going to be all in Australia. That was kind of a thing I was thinking of, but I think ultimately they made the right call by having her stick it out in, in the place that she knows best and probably the place that's best for her career overall. You know, it would be fun to go on a vacation with your boyfriend, but, you know, you have this prestigious position as a young doctor, so maybe you should stick it out there, at least for a little while. Yeah, I think this show has done a really good job of balancing the fact that she is 16 with the fact that she's, like, this young, accomplished, genius doctor. And I think this was kind of the culmination of that, of her being like, hey, I'm a doctor, I'm you know, this respected in my field person. I'm kind of an adult in that way, 
but her parents being like, at the end of the day, you're 16, and we're not going to let some 16-year-old girl go off to a different country to follow her boyfriend on a surfing tour, and I think that was cool. But my suspicion, though, was they were gonna, she was going to do it, like she was going to go, be accepted, and that was just kind of going to be, if we do get a season two, that was going to be kind of like her off-season thing. They come back, it's like six months later, and she's back from the tour, and maybe she's trying to get her job back, or maybe her job got filled, and now she's working in a different spot or something like that. You know, she's working at a different place in the hospital and having to deal with that. But. Yeah, I was really impressive with just how much they were able to bring all of those themes of the whole entire series together in these final two episodes. Of like you said, she she wants to be this teenager, she wants to be a doctor, and she has that conflicting personality. But also, I think the subplots all kind of came together at the same time as well. Like the mom trying to balance her role as a boss and her role as a mother. That kind of came to the uh, maximum uh, dramatic potential in these last two episodes, and like Walter and Duke uh, trying to Walter and Doogie trying to figure out what their relationship is like, and trying to define that and figure out what their goals are as a couple. That all kind of came together right in this finale. So I was I was really happy with the writing of it and the way that they were able to naturally bring all of these plots to the conclusion at the same time. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to season two. I thought overall. This whole season was really impressive. You mentioned that it was the first episode or two really kind of surprised us, and it became something that we were like, oh, we, we were going to watch one episode, but now we're watching all of it. And uh, by the end, I was really invested, and I realized I cared about the characters more than I thought that I did, you know, and I was invested in, oh, what, is she, what choice is she going to make, and what's that going to mean for her relationship with all, all these other characters? You know, are they going to follow her to Australia, or are they not? And two months doesn't sound like a long time to, like, an adult. <laughs> when you're 16 two months is like an eternity you know and i was thinking in my head like all right two months is not that long like walter can just go to australia and come back in two months it's not that big of a deal but when you're 16 two months like i said that's that's way too long <laughs> you know you, you you think two months and you're like oh my god i'm gonna be a different person in two months you know so i think it was fun that it, it kind of was able to play that two month gap as something that was actually really big and really important in their relationship when i would think if they were like 10 years older, they'd be like, oh, two months, it would suck to be without you, but like, well, FaceTime, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was kind of funny, though. There was like Walter, the actor that plays Walter, I think we discovered is like 23, 24, or something like that. I. I'm not 100% sure. And he definitely looks like 16, 17 in the face, but there were a few upper body shots where I saw some profiles of his arms, and I'm like, those are not the arms of a 16-year-old boy. And I thought that was kind of funny. Like, there was a few moments where they were, like, kissing, and it looked like a grown-ass man kissing a girl. And I'm like, okay, maybe we need to have a different angle on some of those cam <laughs> camera shots. Um, but yeah, I was just looking looking up quickly. Uh, a season two hasn't been confirmed, but the showrunner has, like, teased kind of thoughts and ideas of where she wants the show to go. So I think uh, the people who work on the show are pretty confident in uh, a season two and the potential of a season two. Yeah, I would hope so because this show had like absolutely no buzz or no one was talking about it really outside of like us. You know, I couldn't find anybody online who was like hyped over the show or talking about it at all, let alone week to week. So I would really hope that maybe season two could come out and be marketed a bit better, pushed a bit more, and maybe something that would be talked about a little bit more. Yeah. But Disney Plus is so crowded, it's hard to have some of these shows that are, like, very good but not part of the biggest IPs of Disney to be talked about, you know, when yeah. they're always launching Marvel stuff, launching Star Wars stuff, and when it's not 
out there they're talking about it you know yeah. <laughs> so shows like this definitely fall through the cracks that's why like with Disney Plus Day when some people were upset Star Wars and other things weren't focused on I mean Marvel got some focus but I'm like I'd be okay if they kind of made Disney Plus Day like hey when we drop Star Wars news and Marvel news like those dominate the news cycle like I'd be okay if they were like hey Disney Plus Day is more our day to talk about like Doogie Kame Aloha or Turner and Hooch or some of these other you know Diary of a Future President some of these other shows that don't really get the hype don't really get talked about and we're kind of going to push those to the forefront today and I almost think that's what it should be moving forward you know you drop you maybe drop like one Marvel trailer one like Star Wars teaser or something but I think outside of that like, you can drop Star Wars news, Marvel news, whenever, and people will pay attention to it. But, you know, what, how often are people really going to pay attention to, like, Doogie Kame Aloha news? Like, I, I, I would have been more hyped for a confirmation yesterday, or on Disney Plus Day of, like, Doogie Kame Aloha Season 2 is coming March of next year. More than I really would have, like, oh, yep, yeah, we're, you know, announcement, uh, Acolytes going into production, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah. cool. I think uh, not to turn this into entirely like a post-mortem of Disney Plus Day, but I think that could have been a better move is you have your Star Wars celebration. You know, you have your Comic-Con type stuff to drop Marvel things. But I could see Disney Plus Day going forward if they try to do it more organized and more kind of like streamlined. If it's like, oh, here's like our panel, you know, or here's like our two hours where we sit here and we go through all all of our Disney Plus stuff. But even in the way Disney Plus Day was formatted, it's easier to have stuff get buried. So I think in, season, in the next year of Disney Plus Day, it would be a good move to have them make it a bit more organized and also focus on some of this like uh, tertiary stuff that they wouldn't necessarily be talking about because we're already talking about Marvel and Disney every single day, or Marvel and Star Wars <laughs> practically every day. So it's like, give us one day to talk about something that's more niche on the platform, you know? I think Disney, Disney D, not Disney, DC Fandom would be more of closer what Disney Plus they should be streamed live on YouTube and on Disney Plus. Maybe maybe have a stream live on YouTube and simultaneously on Disney Plus, but maybe have some, you know, um, stuff that you can only watch on Disney Plus, whether it's like a trailer or something that's more big time. Yeah, I think uh, DC Fandom definitely has like the structure and the format figured out. And yeah. They just don't have you... content anyone cares about. <laughs> Not much to show off. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, um... Oh, uh, we haven't really talked about the subplots much. Subplot... Subplot much. There we go. Words. Uh, so we got a little bit more with, uh, Kai, her older... Well, not older, but her brother and, uh, her best friend. That's kind of been a will-they-won't-they. Her best friend's been crushing on her brother the entire episode, and now as a distraction, they kiss. But her brother really didn't seem all that into it. So you think that was kind of the death of that whole relationship when you thought, oh, is this going to be kind of the, you know, start of that where the brother, they kiss and the brother was kind of whatever about it? Or do you think there's going to be a revelation in season two that he's felt the same way? He just has been hiding it. I actually read that the opposite way. I thought he was pretty into it. And I thought their conversation in the finale where they, they like almost brought it up and there was like that pause and I thought that was kind of both of them filling the blank of like, Oh, we kind of like this, but we're not ready to say it yet. And I'd be very curious what both of those characters are up to if, if there is a season two, because I think both of them got pretty, uh, pretty sidelined throughout the show. Sometimes like there's parts where I forgot that brother even existed on the show that he'd show up and I'd be like, Oh, I forgot about that guy. He's still here too. And <laughs> Steph for the best friend of Doogie or, uh, the best friend of, uh, Lahela, 
she was not necessarily there all that often for some of her bigger moments and she felt more like oh here she's here to like give commentary every couple of scenes <laughs> or whatever so i would love to see both of those characters get their subplot in season two and actually follow through on that and maybe not have them in a relationship maybe you can see them both kind of pursuing and figuring out their feelings for each other yeah all I want next episode is one that solely focuses on Walter and the dad hanging out and growing out and surfing. I think that would be an amazing episode. Best episode of the series. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, for a show that uh, could have easily been very kiddy, they actually had two adult characters that I thought were really interesting throughout the entire season. Like the dad could have so easily just been like this one note goofy dad who sells shaved ice and that's it. But even he had a. Uh, uh, you know, a heartfelt art by the end of the season. He had his uncle, his uncle uh, Jack, I believe his name was, who was mm-hmm. passing away potentially. You know, he was getting very sick, and he was having this kind of crisis of, "That's my dad's generation passing away." You know, that's like the tradition of Hawaii mm-hmm. passing away, and when they die, is that tradition going to be gone? You know, and I think that's a really fascinating element that I never thought they necessarily bring into the show, like the culture erasure of Hawaiian culture. And how easily that can die with generations if you don't preserve it. So I thought that was a really touching arc in the final in the final episode of them having to kind of like touch back into their roots and uh, bring out bring Uncle Jack back out and give him that kind of potentially his final. I mean the the actor passed away between then and now, so I would assume that's Uncle Jack's final appearance on the show. So I thought it was a very heartfelt uh, arc for the dad and for Uncle Jack. Yeah, I really uh, liked it. I think they're probably going to open with that on with season two, just because of how much of the if they start if if we do get a season two, I could see season two opening with like Uncle Jack's funeral, with how much season one ended focusing on him and like how it's the nearing of his life, and I could see that kind of being the crux of the opening of the season. Yeah, I, I'm really impressed by the show. We've mentioned it all the time how much we were, we were surprised by it, but the fact that it like maintained that yeah. all the way to the end, I was really happy with it. Yeah, like I liked Turner and Hooch, and it was fun with like the Die Hard references and all that, but there wasn't anything like week to week keeping me. And this show definitely had more of like the week to week keeping me. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, even if the show doesn't get picked up for another season, I'd be interested to follow some of the careers of of the people involved here. I really think. Uh, Peyton Elizabeth Lee, uh, the lead actress here, has has the potential of a really interesting career ahead of her. You know, she's been in a couple. She, obviously, she was the lead of a uh, Disney show, Andy Mac. That was kind of her biggest thing, <laughs> so that's why she got this role. But I'd be really curious if she can be like the next kind of Disney star that comes out of their show, or come out of their channel, and and has a good film career for herself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anything else you got to say about Doogie Kamealoha, MD? No, I really do hope we get a season two. Yeah, uh, and I'll be I'll be watching it week to week if we do. Yeah, me too. All right, so our next topic we have is uh, you know we got Thanksgiving next week in the United States. We got the so we just decided to talk about hey because it's a light week. Let's talk about some Thanksgiving episodes of some shows on Disney Plus. And then it didn't take long for us to realize <laughs> Disney don't like to talk about Thanksgiving apparently because it's slim pickings when it comes to uh, Thanksgiving episodes. Uh, there's basically two in uh, one show, Boy Meets World, hence the my name that you see down there, George Feeney. Um, but yeah, there's a few here and there, and there are some like Mickey Mouse Thanksgiving episodes from some Mickey, Mickey Mouse like little kid show, and I'm like, I could watch them, but my review, 
I don't need to watch them to tell you my review. It's like, hey, if you're four, it's probably fun, but I'm 28, so <laughs> wasn't that fun. Um, but Tristan, you and I both watched the same two uh, Boy Meets World episode. The first one, I believe, is Season 4, Episode 10, Turkey Day. The other one is, I want to say, Season 5, Episode something, 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 and it's one that has Angela's name in the title. Chasing Angela. Chasing Angela. Season 5 episode, Chasing Angela. And I'll say the Season 4 episode 10 is much more Thanksgiving-focused, where the Season 5 episode, Chasing Angela, Thanksgiving is only referenced in the B-plot of the episode, and it's, like, hardly even relevant. Um, But let's focus for right now on the Season 4 episode 10, uh, Turkey Day. Basically, the movie open or the show opens with... uh, Mr. Feeney gives Sean and Corey, because they won something in class, I don't remember, uh, they split a turkey and stuffing, but both of them want stuffing, and they decide, hey, the best way for both of us to have this stuffing on Thanksgiving is if we have Thanksgiving together, and at this point in the timeline of Boy Meets World, Sean is living with both of his parents, I guess, technically, if you watch the show later on, you realize Verna isn't his actual mom, and that's coming from someone that used to come home from school and watch Boy Meets World every day, 3 to 5, on what is now Freeform, but was at the time ABC Family. But from his perspective at this point in the show, Sean is living with his mom and dad in the trailer park. And Corey, who they try in this episode to say is, like, well off, even though his mom is a stay-at-home mom and his dad manages a grocery store, so it's not like they're flushed with cash. Um... But yeah, they decide to have Thanksgiving together, and it kind of references uh, what they were learning in class uh, about the Tootsies and another group, because one was well off and the other weren't, and they try to have Thanksgiving, and they realize, oh, our groups don't go together well, you know, because you're rich and we're poor. And I'll say, that as a lifelong Boy Meets World fan, the canon of Boy Meets World never <laughs> go. It's more episode to episode. Uh, things never line up. I think Sean and Corey met like five different ways throughout the show, and and Corey and Topanga at and at like season three they decided they've been boyfriend and girlfriend since like kindergarten. Even though if you watch season one and two, they're not together at all. And so, anyways, back to the actual plot of the show that's relevant to Thanksgiving. They have Thanksgiving together, and it's kind of about these two groups of people coming together. Tristan, what were your thoughts for this episode? It was definitely a good classic Thanksgiving episode. You know, it's all about the families coming together. And I also like that it had this element of like class and prejudice that I was trying to comment on because Boy Meets World was not just purely like comedy. It also tried to have these like messages and these themes that kind of brought it all together. And uh, you mentioned that they tried to sell us on this, uh, him being more well off than he might actually be. And I thought that was interesting because like you, you think of someone in that kind of like, lower middle class bracket of, of being like not particularly well off but when you compare them to someone in the lower class that kind of is like an eye-opening experience for him yeah. of like oh uh there's like oh, people who are way worse off than even i am you know and i like that about this and i like that it wasn't purely like a heartfelt everything is good and perfect kind of thanksgiving yeah. episode it had elements of like there's problems in the world there's prejudice in the world that we have to figure out and deal with and we can improve ourselves to be better uh through that and definitely a good one to watch, I think. If you're looking for any Thanksgiving episode out of the ones we're talking about, that's actually like a genuine Thanksgiving episode of the classic Disney show. This is easily the one. <laughs> and I feel like it's a episode. I mean, it, 
it's hard to tell because I know the character so well. I feel it's one you don't really have to have any knowledge of Boy Meets World going into it. I feel like it's pretty like generic of you can kind of come into it and whatever you don't know you'll figure out pretty quick um i feel like as someone who knows more of like it's weird to say boy meets world canon i feel like they could have almost done more with that of like them maybe seeing thinking that the matthews don't belong but knowing that like alan grew up when his dad was a janitor and uh stuff like that that they could have done more of like oh you would think maybe these two groups don't go together but alan could have been like oh i grew up poor like i grew up in a low-income situation so you know i do like know what your situation Mm -hmm. is like because i grew up like that like there was a whole like the main plot line throughout the show is um cory always questions like why do you let me hang out with sean kind of a thing like this kid is seen as a bad kid and alan throughout the entire show is like because when i was a kid i was sean so I feel like they could have done more with that, but either way, it's a, you know, show from late 90s, early 2000s, ABC, TGIF lineup with Family Matters and Step by Step and those shows, so they're not going to be like these, it's not this like super hardcore hitting, you know, Emmy winning writing we got going on here, it's a family sitcom aimed at teenagers who aren't quite old enough to go out on a Friday night yet. Yeah, and I'll say I have much less history with the show compared to Joe. I did watch it here and there, and I caught it on reruns and stuff here and there, but it wasn't one that I watched every day. And even I, from my very light knowledge of the characters, I was able to get a lot out of this. And you, that's the good thing about these types of shows in that era, is I feel like they're built so you can just watch yeah. an episode randomly, and you're going to get the dynamic to the cast and which character is supposed to be what kind of person, you know? And mm-hmm. you might miss some of the nuance here and there, but... Especially this one, I think, works perfectly as an entry point. You immediately grasp the characters' roles in the story and what they're kind of representing. And it also is kind of separate. The story isn't like right in the high school, right in the same setting as the other episodes. So I feel like it serves, in a way, as like a standalone episode where you can easily watch it by itself. Yeah. And then the season five episode, we'll just touch on really quick because the main plot had nothing to do with Thanksgiving at all. I don't even think they talked about the fact that Thanksgiving was coming up. Uh, it was basically Jack and Eric who are college roommates. Jack being Sean's half brother, and Eric, uh, Corey's older brother, are uh, hosting Thanksgiving in their college apartment for some reason. With the entire Matthews clan coming to their college apartment again, who, no one would ever do that. Uh, um, and so Jack is trying to figure out how to make food to impress um, Alan. Uh, Eric's dad because that's a thing that would ever happen and um, because he because Thanksgiving is very important to him and he's always had a big Thanksgiving meal even though the season prior he has Thanksgiving at Sean's trailer so Thanksgiving wasn't really that important to him (laughs) then Uh, the season before like I said Boy Meets World canon is very fast and loose and they never gave a shit um but yeah, that's kind of the midpoint. And then they like try to make a pumpkin pie and there's bones in it for some reason because apparently <laughs> um, Jack is that bad of a cook. And uh, you know the episode ends with Corey and his parents and family all showing up to uh, Eric and Jack's college apartment with Thanksgiving meal, you know, food already made. You know, they they were like, yeah, you're college kids. We knew you weren't going to be able to handle making food because no one would ever expect a college kid to make a full Thanksgiving (laughs) meal on their own for their parents in their college apartment. 
don't know. This episode, the the writing team took the day off on this one. I think. <laughs> yeah, they were like holiday episode. We got this. We can we can half write this one. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Certainly a step down in quality, and also in like the Thanksgiving prominence from the first episode. It didn't necessarily feel like the theme all came together at the end or no. anything like that. No. But I do just thought, like, I do oh, think the end... we have nothing for Jack and Eric to do this episode, and they're you know cast member so we need to write something oh quick this will come out around thanksgiving time oh they're trying to make thanksgiving dinner and they suck at it they're college kids there we go and there there is like some fun slapstick of them trying to cook this meal and being like completely out of their depth and like he's trying to make ice sculptures and (laughs) it's like very ridiculous i'll make it but my favorite part though is like he's he's like i'm trying to cut a turkey into this ice block he's like are you afraid it'll melt (laughs) he's like i'll make it bigger which is classic eric humor and then the, my favorite part is they made the pie and they're testing the pie to see if it's any good. And instead of cutting a slice, Jack just takes a scoop with a spoon out of the middle and serves it to Eric. And that's Painful. how they test to see if it's good pie. Um, it's like those videos on YouTube where they take like a Kit Kat and they just break it in half. And you're like, what are you doing? And then they're like yeah. completely eating the thing wrong, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought that it was in the end a uh, solid thanksgiving like the last scene was kind of like a nice thanksgiving moment of like oh the family all kind of like came together and brought their own food and it all kind of worked out in the end you know and i thought that was a nice ending <laughs> at least yeah. for the episode i will say um i assume we'll probably do the same thing closer to christmas of talking about christmas episodes uh the next episode in season 4 that talks about christmas is a very good Christmas themed of season in season four. So that I think that was season four, episode 10. And I was like scrolling through on Disney plus season four, episode 11 is a very good uh, Christmas themed episode of boy meets world. Yeah. Christmas. We have way more to talk about in terms uh, yeah, of people care about Christmas and entertainment. I don't know. I, I wonder if it's for like international, like because Thanksgiving is such an American and I guess Canadian holiday, but that's in October. So the timing's off. Where, like, if you're trying to sell episodes in, like, England and Australia and stuff, it's harder to sell a Thanksgiving episode or to get viewership, where Christmas is more uh, universally celebrated around the world, I guess. Mm hmm. I did. Uh, I feel uh, ready to move on from the Boy uh, Meets World. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about uh, what was a High School Musical. The musical, the series had a great Thanksgiving episode as well. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a really good one, and that's a show we were both really impressed by. Especially Joe, I think had like oh, no I expectations still going you in. Had, <laughs> you had already watched the first two seasons, I think, and you're and we had just started the Disney. Uh, we had just started this show, and we we're like, oh, we need stuff to watch. And I, I knew Tristan loved the show, and I'm like dialed up season one i'm like already starting to take notes getting ready to just hate on it and trash on it and say how shitty this show is like oh it's a musical the show is bullshit and i didn't hate it i thought it was pretty okay and i think mostly my main thing was i thought the show itself was a musical and there's like one or two musical moments but all of like the singing in the show are them like training and rehearsing for the musical they're actually going to put on it's not that's my problem with musicals is when everyone just happens to all know the lyrics to a, the, you know, the lyrics and choreography to a song out of, for no reason. It just always t- immediately takes me out of it. Unless it's like an animated movie, like the lion King or little mermaid or something. But yeah. Yeah. This show, uh, I wasn't quite as surprised as Joe because I like musicals a lot more than he does, <laughs> yeah. but I went into it thinking, Oh, I like high school musical. This will be like a nice nostalgia trip. And I li- ended up liking it way more than I, 
would have. And honestly, this Thanksgiving episode is the episode in season one that really made me kind of fall in love with the show. Uh, so the premise is kind of a typical uh, Thanksgiving episode premise where it's like the family of the students are having to kind of come together to have their, their found family Thanksgiving party together. And I thought that was an interesting element of this episode is that it wasn't an actual traditional blood family. It was essentially their found family, these people who in a normal life maybe not maybe would not have even gotten along or known each other, but the fact that they had this shared connection of their love for the musical, their love for the art of it, brings them together. And of course, there's a lot of, this is much more, you can't just watch this episode by itself. You're going to need to have some history with the characters to fully get the drama here. Because it kind of is a lot of the, a lot of the plot comes to a head with all the characters in one room together. So it's one of those where you, you get all the characters, you put them in a room together and you just kind of like watch them have fun. They play a high school musical game based on the mu- the movie high school musical oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie it's been a while since i watched this episode i did not go back and watch it um i do i thought it was kind of cool that was one of my favorite moments of the series where uh, i can't remember the character's name but he's like the choreographer for the show had designed the high school musical game and he like brought it up but he like thought everyone was gonna roast him and like make fun of him and think it was dumb and everyone was like super hyped and excited to play and he was like i don't know I like that moment. That was a good moment. Yeah, he was like so happy to show, teach him all the rules and run through the game. And I thought that was a really heartfelt moment. And I thought this episode in general had a lot of that where it's like people who maybe in another show would make fun of each other or bully each other. It's like he brings up something he's passionate about and immediately they're all like, oh, that's awesome. Let's do it. You know, and yeah. I thought it was a really great portrayal of friendship, especially like high school. Especially like, especially like theater nerd type kids. That would, mm-hmm. would be all about that shit. <laughs> so what came to me and was like, Tristan, I got a board game based on High School Musical. I'd be like, pull that out right now. End the show, Joe. See, I, I'm, I, I'm playing this I'm board game. I'm not even a big High School Musical fan, but just like pure and like, like the impressiveness of that. Like, I'd be like, I want to see this shit because that just sounds impressive, you know? I, I want to shout out to my younger brother who... Uh, made a 24 board game when we were young, when you're obsessed with the show 24. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the show reminded me of my little brother in a way, because he, he literally made a board game based off of the show 24. Nice. And it might not have been high school musical, but it was like this thing he was obsessed with. So he made a game about it and we played it as a family. And this reminded me of that. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely uh, recommend this episode. Uh, I, I wouldn't say you can watch it by itself, like I mentioned, because there's a lot of plot. I don't want to get, get into the spoilers for the show if you haven't seen it, but a lot of the plot with some of the side characters and their drama together, their relationships all kind of come to a head in this episode. So I liked it in that way, too, where it wasn't just a filler episode about Thanksgiving. It actually also forwarded the plot of the show. Yeah. So I thought it was one of the better episodes of the whole series, honestly. And if you're a fan of the High School Musical movies, I would definitely check out High School Musical, the musical of the series. Yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. I think season three is coming out. Uh, I don't know when, but they're they're having season three coming out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna be really excited for that one. Yep. All right. Did you watch any other Thanksgiving episodes? Because I I'll be honest, I did not. Because there weren't a lot of options. I watched a couple of the Simpsons ones. Right. Uh, I don't have much history with the Simpsons, but as it was on Disney Plus, I started checking out some of their iconic episodes, and I watched a lot of the Treehouse of Horror stuff for Halloween. So I thought, oh. They must have really good Thanksgiving stuff, too, and these were not nearly as impressive as their Halloween episodes were. <laughs> uh, uh, they have a couple, though. It's like season two has one called Bart versus Thanksgiving. Season five has one called Homer versus Dignity. <laughs> uh, 
there's a couple throughout, but not nearly as much as there are for the horror episodes. But I will th- I do think that they're perfect for Thanksgiving if you're just if you have your family over and you want to put something on in the background. I think Disney Plus has like a playlist of their Thanksgiving episodes, so you can literally just hit play and run through them. And nice. It's a perfect thing to put on in the background, and like your family can be having a conversation, getting the food ready, and look up for some funny Bart joke or something like that. Homer get hit in the face, you know, <laughs> typical Simpsons humor. Uh, I thought the most recent one from uh, season thirty-one was a Thanksgiving of horror, so it was kind of a combination of their Treehouse of Horror and also a Thanksgiving episode. So that was kind of a fun one to watch. I saw uh, that one as uh, a fun one if you're into their their horror episodes, the Treehouse of Horror. And you also want to see a Thanksgiving episode. That's probably one that I would check out from season 31, though. So it's not like the peak of the, of the Simpsons just towards their their end where it's just becoming kind of terrible. But, you know, Treehouse of Horror is still pretty good even in the bad seasons of the show. Yeah, uh, yeah I can, I'll be honest. I can't I remember ever watching an episode of The Simpsons. I feel like I have at some point, but to give you a plot of a single episode, I could not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I watched. I watched some of it, but it was one of those shows that, for some reason or another, I was not allowed to watch as a kid. Yeah, me either. So, and then I feel like its prime was like way before our pop cultural awareness, so it was never a thing we were like dying to go back to. To me, it's just one of those shows that's like, oh yeah, that's kind of on. That's kind of cool that that's still running. But I've never met a person in my life that actively currently watches The Simpsons, so. I'm very confused by that. I feel like it's just there's Matt Groening like made some weird contract with Fox back in the day that they're just not allowed to cancel the show. Yeah, I don't know what like blood sacrifice he made to the Hollywood gods that he's still making thirty plus seasons of the show. But I want that's what, for them. If you're out there and you're currently actively watching The Simpsons like week to week, like it comes on new episode and you're you're you know that's appointment television for you. DM me, message me, tweet at me. I will invite you on the show because I want to interview you and know what your life is like. Why? What about The Simpsons currently keeps you coming back week to week to watch every episode? I want to know because yeah. I'm curious. We will do a whole special just in The Simpsons. If you call in and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a Simpsons diehard. I've seen every episode. I keep watching it week to week. You can host this show for an episode. We will give you the reins. Tell yeah. us why you love this so much. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, <laughs> I genuinely want to meet someone that actively watches The Simpsons week to week. And they do have some really solid episodes in the early seasons. So uh, I think if you haven't seen it, there are some episodes worth watching. But it's one of those shows that I think you can definitely jump around on. And yeah. I'd recommend the Thanksgiving of Horror episode. I'd also recommend the season two and season five episodes, Bart versus Thanksgiving, Homer versus Dignity. Those were the better ones. And then there's some mid-tier ones in season 13 and season 17 uh, that are also pretty good. Homer, uh, Homer the Mo in season 13 and The Wettest Story Ever Told in season 17. Uh, all solid background watches of the Thanksgiving season. So if you're looking for something, like I said, to just throw on while you got your family around or while you're getting dinner ready and you want to look up for something funny and go back to cooking your turkey, I think it's a perfect show for that. Awesome. All right. You ready for our next topic or did you have another show you watched? I don't remember. No, I'm Not ready. That was pretty much the max of Thanksgiving shows. So uh, <laughs> uh, we, we tried to cover it all for you guys, but there wasn't much to choose from for Thanksgiving episodes. All right, and uh, because of that, there's, like, no Thanksgiving shows, really. There's no real Thanksgiving movies. Like, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is really the only Thanksgiving movie, and you could kind of replace that holiday with generally any other holiday. He he just has to get home for Thanksgiving, and that's the only 
thing that makes it a Thanksgiving movie. You could kind of say he has to get home for Christmas and none of the rest of that movie changes or, you know, he has to get back for his anniversary or this or that or whatever reason and the rest of the movie does not change. Um, and so with, uh, you know, Hawkeye coming out next week as well as it being Thanksgiving, we decided, hey, what if there was an MCU Thanksgiving movie? What if they decided to make Thanksgiving a prominent plot point or a prominent thing in an MCU movie? And because of our main show where we pitch movies, we decided, hey, let's do that as a topic. It's a slow week. It's the perfect time. And so we are going to each pitch a MCU-based Thanksgiving movie. And uh, Tristan uh, talked a lot about The Simpsons, uh, you know, at the end of our last topic. And so I will go first this time and give him a break from speaking. And uh, this is my pitch. Maybe Tristan's is similar to mine. Maybe it's very different. I have no idea. So the director of mine is James Gunn because I'm essentially just going to make Thanksgiving a prominent uh, focus point of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is essentially just going to be a Thanksgiving movie. Um, The movie opens with a flashback of Star-Lord and Gamora pre-Infinity War. Uh, They're talking about their lives, you know, what their lives were like growing up, including Star-Lord talking about Thanksgiving. And we even see, you know, with everyone on the ship, Star-Lord kind of has that elementary school uh, version of Thanksgiving because he hasn't been to Earth since. So that's kind of how he envisions, like, what is Thanksgiving? He's like, oh, like, the pilgrims and the Native Americans, they got together, you know, everything was cool, copacetic, and they had dinner. You know, that's what it was. And then, uh, you know, Star-Lord says he hasn't celebrated Thanksgiving since he left Earth and says he's, you know, never really had a family to celebrate with. But now that he has Gamora and the Guardians, uh, he has that family now, and he promises to celebrate the next one with Gamora and the rest of the Guardians. So we cut to present day, and Star-Lord is remembering that conversation that he had with Gamora, and it kind of inspires him to refind, you know, find Gamora, because with the whole endgame situation, uh, it's the 20, you know, his Gamora is dead, and 2014 Gamora, that never... Uh, you know, that never, you know, became good and joined the Guardians is out running around. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to go find this Gamora because I made a promise to her that I'm going to celebrate Thanksgiving with her, and that's what I'm going to do. So the movie is essentially a road trip movie with Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy looking for Gamora. And there we kind of have that similar thing brought up where Thor, or not Thor, uh, Star-Lord is kind of explaining what Thanksgiving is to the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, you know, they're kind of like, hey, if that's what Star-Lord wants to do, that's a start. Thor's all in because he, all he heard was Big Feast, and that was enough for him to go. <laughs> but he, uh, Thor brings up the point of when Star-Lord's kind of explaining what the history of Thanksgiving is. Thor's like, I don't know, I've studied humans for a long time, and that doesn't really sound uh, exactly how that would go down. And so you kind of get maybe a touch of, like, what real Thanksgiving might have been like, you know. And that, and so eventually they're hopping from planet to planet. We get these fun adventures. Like I said, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is really the only Thanksgiving movie, and so it's kind of an homage to that because they're hopping all around the galaxy looking for Gamora on this mission. Uh, and they eventually find Gamora, and she is leading her own group of people that kind of go on missions. It's kind of her own version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. And all of the Guardians are kind of represented by someone on Gamora's team. Uh, we have a 
uh, they're kind of like the B-list uh, Guardians. So we have a Star-Lord type played by Glenn Howerton, who was kind of the second choice to play um, uh, Star-Lord. So I thought that was a nice connection. We have Drax, played by John Cena. John Cena was just in uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, so I thought maybe he liked working with him. He'd bring him in. Both of them have pro wrestling history, so it would be kind of fun to... Uh, make him the, you know, kind of like the Drax equivalent in Gamora's Guardians. Uh, we have the Rocket Raccoon type, voiced by Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson on the rise right now. And uh, also worked with James Gunn in the Suicide Squad. And then we have our Groot type, who, of course, has to be voiced by Nathan Fillion, uh, because he's in all of James Gunn's projects. And then we have a Mantis type, and I didn't really have any idea who to cast here, so I just threw in Emma Watson's name, because she hasn't really had a big prominent role in a while, so I thought uh, it'd be kind of fun to just have her in uh, this role. So we have our Guardians versus our B-tier Guardians, and the two teams battle each other, uh, because this Gamora doesn't know the Guardians, and she's just like, who are you people? I don't know you people. Why are you interacting with me? And it causes them to fight. However, over time, as they battle each other, the two sides bond and become friends. Uh, and this is kind of a prolonged battle over weeks and months. And uh, with Gamora becoming more like her future self, they don't make it to Earth in time for Thanksgiving, but are able to have Thanksgiving on the Guardian ship because it's not about where you have Thanksgiving, but who you have Thanksgiving with. And that is my pitch. It's about bringing Gamora back to the Guardians while also expanding the Guardians of the Galaxy team. I definitely like that. I think it's a good use of a movie that we already know is coming out and how you kind of like work that into a Thanksgiving uh, theme. And I definitely think the, uh, the theme of like coming together as a family is something that's so prominent in Guardians and also in Thanksgiving, you know, and yeah. Guardians has that element of the found family, people who are scattered from across the galaxy coming together and people who would have been rejects from society, maybe like, like star Lord is kind of like an outlaw type person. Rocket raccoon never really gets along with anybody else. And the fact that they were able to all come together and form this guardians team is very much a found family story. So I think that fits perfectly for a Thanksgiving uh, movie. And I would definitely like to see your cast. I think Pete Davidson is a, is a great call for a, a rocket raccoon type of character. <laughs> yeah. Like so I'm sure, I think... like I would pull in real, but number one for a pitch that wasn't a real pitch. Like if this was our show, I would have like tried to find like those weird obscure Marvel characters. Uh, but because it's not, I'm just like, okay, I'm sure there's a character out there that's similar to rocket raccoon, but that's not that they could find. And same with like Drax and all of these other characters, characters that are similar to them out that are aliens in space that are like not even B or C or D or E level characters, but like G level characters that they could find and pull and bring in. Yeah, I I like your pitch. I'll move on uh, to my pitch really quickly because we did touch on some similar themes, but I approached mine very differently because uh, you seem to uh, try to appeal to the planes, trains, and automobile, the Thanksgiving movies that we know, and I aimed a little bit more towards the TV show, similar to the ones that we talked about, where it's about like a family having to come together against the odds and make this meal work. And so for my premise, my main character is the Punisher. And we follow him in the year after the snap in Infinity War before they've all come back. And Is it John Bernthal? It is John Bernthal. Okay. So he's coming back to finally be the Punisher that we want him to be uh, in, the, in the big screen. Uh, so 
I think uh, he he's sort of he's trying to maintain order in Hell's Kitchen, which, as you could probably imagine, if half the population disappeared, places like Hell's Kitchen would become like mass chaos. You know, crime lords would be running the streets and that kind of a thing. So, I kind of wanted to make a uh, movie here about some of the characters that survived the snap and were left kind of like scattered to the wind during this time, and. Uh, I wanted to kind of give them an arc of having no hope, but not thinking the world's going to come back at all. And then throughout this movie, kind of coming together as a family to uh, make this make this Thanksgiving meal happen for them. And then having this tiny little bit of hope for them by the end that kind of sets them up to believe that maybe good things can happen. So uh, Punisher is our main character. And I think he fits really well because he can start off in this place where he's very dark. Obviously, he's the Punisher and he's completely lost hope after this snap. He's living in Hell's Kitchen, trying to maintain order in this chaos. And he runs in that chaos to Clint Barton's Hawkeye, who is out doing a mission uh, as not, he's not really Hawkeye at this point because he's taken on that new mantle and a new name and everything else. So we get like sort of a team up movie between Hawkeye and the Punisher uh, in Hell's Kitchen, trying to take down like a drug Lord. And throughout this movie, we have kind of characters kind of showing up that, were had maybe their husband or in their or their kids got snapped and they've been kind of left with no one and uh we we have a scene where they all kind of have to come together and i didn't go into as much detail of my plot as yours but i wanted to kind of follow uh hawkeye and the, and the punisher having these dueling worldviews and you bring in daredevil as well for like a small scene so i think having these characters that were kind of left out of the snap and are having to kind of maintain order in Hell's Kitchen. And it would be a nice touch to have them all come together at the end. But Clinton Barton, as we know, by Endgame is, has no hope. You know, when, when Black Widow shows up and he just says, don't give me hope because he hasn't had hope for years and years. So I, don't want, I want his arc here to be that he doesn't find hope. He ends up kind of being an outsider and stepping away and not joining this essentially like a new Avengers team that they're trying to form. So by the end... Punisher and, and Daredevil and some of the characters that we know have uh, are alive after the snap decide to come together on Thanksgiving and have this makeshift meal together and amongst all the chaos, amongst all the death, amongst all the burning of the streets and things like that, they have this one night where these characters who have lost everything uh, have some time together and in that moment they kind of decide like, hey that Defenders thing we did for a second was kind of cool, but uh, maybe we need to do that again. And we get kind of this tease that Punisher, Daredevil, and some of the more kind of B-tier Marvel characters who survived the snap formed up this new superhero team to, since the Avengers are pretty much gone, they're the new team that's trying to maintain order on like a street level during the chaos of the snap. Because I think that's such an unexplored timeline of Marvel in between the snap and the and end game, essentially, where... The world's in chaos, and how was that chaos maintained? Like, how did Hell's Kitchen not completely fall to crime lords in, in that snap? And I wanted to fill in that gap with the story with Punisher and Hawkeye having to work together and reach out to some other connections across Hell's Kitchen. And so you have the elements of Thanksgiving where the family's having to come together, and you have the elements of, like, finding hope at the end, which I think is a good thing of Thanksgiving episode. It's kind of about, like, Hey, if you, if you have your family, that's all you really need, you know? And I like the element of the found family as well. It's something you touched on in Guardians 
So I want to touch on that here, where these people who have no one have found each other. And I like that Hawkeye still has a lot of growth to do, so he kind of steps away and says, sorry, guys, I have my own show for this, and walks away. So you don't necessarily break the canon of Hawkeye's arc, but you have that little tease of, like, there's this little tiny, tiny hint of hope in him that he wants things to be better, even if he doesn't think they're going to be. And that's kind of my Thanksgiving pitch. It's very much about Thanksgiving and the family coming together. Uh, and I like the idea of focusing on these smaller tier Marvel characters who were left out to maintain order while the Avengers were like moping around after Infinity War. All right. Can I make a pitch to your pitch to uh, make it, you know, to explain? Go for it. So you're talking about there's a point where Daredevil and like uh, Punisher gain hope, but the Hawkeye, Hawkeye you know, uh, Ronan does not. So here's my pitch. Uh, during the snap, Karen Page was off in uh, somewhere else, England maybe, visiting her like grandmother for her birthday. While she's in England, the snap happens, and uh, Karen Page loses contact with, um, we'll say like Foggy disappears in the snap too, and so Daredevil lost both of his big main friends, um, and Punisher was close with Karen Page as well. However, after two or three years, Karen Page, who was presumed to die in the snap by Daredevil and Punisher, returns back from New York, and it turns out like, oh, a bunch of the her grandma's caregivers had disappeared in the snap, so Karen stayed to take care of her and then never reached back out because with all of the people that went in the snap, a lot of the telecommunication systems went down. So basically, Karen Page comes back, and that's kind of what restores hope for Punisher and daredevil but because hawkeye has zero connection to karen page it's like i i I still don't have my hope because all of my people are still gone yeah my my idea for the plot was that the person they're taking down in hell's kitchen is sort of like a child trafficker type person who's kidnapping people who whose parents had been snapped away so like that's kind of a dark premise and i like i would have them kind of rescue a kid from from this bad guy at the end and like the, the moment where the kid reunites with the with his mother and is kind of like being hugged and held and and, and for the punisher and for daredevil that like, kind of like warms their heart of like sure this world's in mass chaos right now but like we can do this tiny tiny little act of good to bring this kid out of some terrible situation and bring them into like a, a thanksgiving meal instead of being human trafficked yeah. <laughs> and i think for hawkeye that would he'd feel the need to save that kid and help them but it would also remind him too much of his own family and his own children yeah, to the I like point that where he better. wouldn't be able to be part of that. To that. Your idea is great. <laughs> My idea sucks. Maybe you could do like a one-two punch. You know, they get Karen Page back so they're a little bit happy. Plus, that, yeah, I could see that. Where they're happy, where they have that moment that makes them happy. Plus, the Karen Page moment makes them happy. But everything just makes Ronan and, you know, Hawkeye, Clint Barton sad. Yeah, and I, I think exploring that timeline is a really fascinating mm-hmm. part of the Marvel history that I just think hasn't quite been explored fully at all, really. So I think a Punisher series set in that time is something that I always thought would be interesting. So I kind of tried to turn that into mm. a story about people coming together for Thanksgiving yep. and saving saving a kid, you know. So yep. I think that would be a really a, a dark, but also ultimately ending on this helpful note, especially as the audience, because we know that people are, they are going to be saved, you know. And the fact that they held the held the line in this terrible time kind of made the difference between the world falling apart and holding off just enough for that for the Avengers to come in and save the day. Yep. 
All right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about before we wrap up? I don't think so. I want to quickly mention that D23 is happening this weekend. Uh, they have a Disney Plus download panel where they're going to be revealing some kind of stuff, but I don't expect there to be huge, yeah. huge reveals, but yeah. I, I think maybe a couple of release dates, maybe something like that. Yeah, 90% yeah. of D23 this year is focused on like the parks and everything, so I think that's partially why they're not marketing it as much, because I feel like it's most, like if you're not a parks person like me, if you don't ever go to the parks, like nothing they announce is going to affect me at all, and uh, a lot of it's like the cruises and stuff too, so there's like one thing that's like Disney Plus download that's like two hours, so I, I don't know, it, with Disney Plus Day, I'm kind of not expecting really a whole lot. Um, just more reaffirming shit we already know, but we could get some new information. Yeah, it'll be a weird choice to have Disney Plus Day come out and have not quite a lot of announcements and then be like, oh, but D- this D23 that's like 90% park-oriented, we're going to have like huge announcements. <laughs> yeah. But I do think the one thing I, I somewhat expect, because it's very park-oriented, and we just this year saw the Muppets Haunted Mansion, I think we could get a couple, an announcement of what the a couple more of the Muppets adapt, adaptations of some of these rides yeah. from Disney. Like, do we get like a Muppets Jungle Cruise? We get like a Muppets Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, those have already been adapted into movies, but so have Haunted Mansion. So, yeah. I think it would be fun to see the feature of those Muppets. Muppets shows. Hall of Presidents. I, I like that Haunted Mansion one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how they work that one out. Mupp- you know, what else? Muppets. It's a small world. It could be, you know, and. Muppets I mean, they have two hours. So I just, I just don't know for two hours. You gotta, you gotta have something. Yeah. And whether it's just really small announcements, whether it's like a release dates for things, or kind of like a better vamping another ride. I named all the rides I knew. <laughs> yeah, Splash Mountain's getting a revamp, yeah. so maybe we can get like a a Splash Mountain Muppets. Yeah. Cars Land is becoming Cars Three Land. <laughs> Hey, it is Disney. It could pull some pull some plot twist and be like, "Oh, here's all the release dates for all the Star Wars shows," and yeah. we're like, "Oh, okay." Uh, you, you held off on that. Have said that last week. <laughs> you do, yeah. you Bob Chappick. It, it would be a very funny move if they had all these reveals randomly. Here's the trailer this... for Ahsoka. <laughs> yeah, Bob Chappick won't be there, but you know, what in spirit, maybe. Dingus. All right, so I think that wraps up our show for today. Uh, I have nothing else, so uh, Tristan and uh, everybody else watching, I guess not Tristan, I guess it's more a message for the viewers. Without further yeah. ado, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.